0: Tuesday, May 25th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Europe to punish Belarus, and another cyclone to strike India. First, the world in brief. Airlines based in the European Union will avoid Belarusian airspace in response to the grounding of a passenger flight between Greece and Lithuania. Alexander Lukashenko, Belarus's president since 1994, had ordered the Ryanair plane to be diverted to Minsk on Sunday in order to arrest a dissident journalist and his girlfriend. EU leaders also began the process of banning Belarus's flag carrier Belavia Airlines from the bloc's territory, which would make its westward routes impossible to maintain. And the EU will tighten sanctions imposed after Mr Lukashenko's suppression of anti-government protests last year. Half a million people have been evacuated from the path of Cyclone Yas, which is expected to make landfall in eastern India on Wednesday. India is facing a relentless battering. Not only did Cyclone Tauktai hit western India last week, killing at least 155, but yesterday the country announced that its Covid-19 deaths had surpassed 300,000, doubtless an undercount. The Biden administration doubled its emergency spending on helping communities prepare for hurricanes and other extreme weather events to $1 billion. Last year, America experienced a record number of storms. Financial losses due to extreme temperatures, storms, flooding and wildfires nearly touched $100 billion. The administration, keen to fight climate change, also launched a new NASA initiative to collect better data. Mali's president was arrested. Bah N'Daw and his prime minister were seized by soldiers loyal to the vice-president, Asimi Goita. The army has dominated the interim government installed by a coup last August when Colonel Goita toppled the previous president. The UN called for Mr N'Daw's immediate release. Instability hampers the West African country's efforts to contain a spreading jihadist insurgency. Aung San Suu Kyi, Myanmar's de facto leader until deposed in February, appeared in public for the first time since the coup for a 30-minute court hearing. Meanwhile, violence continued. The People's Defence Force, a rebel group of citizens fighting the junta, often with homemade weapons, claims to have killed dozens of members of the country's security forces over the weekend. Russia's internet regulator gave Google 24 hours to delete what it deems quote prohibited content, including information about drugs and groups it considers extremist, a classification the government is currently trying to extend to organisations associated with Alexei Navalny, an opposition leader. If Google does not comply, it could be fined or face throttled bandwidth within Russia. Andrew Bailey, the governor of the Bank of England, said that cryptocurrencies and similar assets were dangerous. Cryptocurrencies have recently experienced drastic price swings, but financial institutions are increasingly interested in them. As digital currencies proliferate, Lyle Brainerd, a Federal Reserve governor, said that America's central bank was stepping up its plans to explore a digital version of the dollar. And fact of the day… Research suggests that for every dollar spent on body-worn cameras for police, communities receive about $5 in benefit, mainly by averting the use of force and its associated costs. And now, here's today's agenda. George Floyd, one year on, policing in America. A year ago, George Floyd was killed by Derek Chauvin, a Minneapolis police officer who knelt on his neck for over nine minutes. Today, Mr Floyd's family will meet President Joe Biden at the White House. The Reverend Al Sharpton, a civil rights activist, called it a, quote, nice gesture, but hardly sufficient. He may have a point. Mr Floyd's death sparked the biggest civil rights protests in America's history. Demonstrations were held in every state and around the world. Mr Chauvin was convicted of murder in April, and pressure for police reform has not subsided since. Many jurisdictions have passed reform bills, but despite Mr Biden's urging Congress to pass a bill before the anniversary, no federal legislation has been approved. Both parties support some reform, but disagreements over its nature and especially over qualified immunity for police have stayed progress. In its present form, the bill, named for Mr Floyd, remains unlikely to get the ten Republican votes it would need to pass the Senate. Schools Out, Costa Rica Yesterday, Costa Rica closed all public schools until July. The government will use the pause, added to a holiday scheduled for June 28th to July 9th, to vaccinate teachers and other workers against COVID-19. Private schools can switch to virtual lessons, but the Ministry of Education said there will be no distance learning for pupils at public ones because more than 400,000 students lack a good internet connection. It is a woefully common tale. In April 2020, UNESCO, the UN's Educational and Cultural Agency, calculated that dodgy internet access at home excluded 43% of students globally from online learning. Such interruptions to schooling will be ruinous. UNICEF, the UN's children's agency, estimates that 24 million pupils around the world who had missed school because of the pandemic could drop out for good, while the effects of even a few weeks off can, quote, last a lifetime for already vulnerable children. Once teachers are jabbed and schools reopened, governments will have to put on their thinking caps. Still Radioactive, Iran Deal Talks Iran and America are resuming indirect talks with a fifth round of negotiations in Vienna today in a bid to revive a 2015 international deal curbing Iran's nuclear programme. Serious differences between the sides remain. Iran says it will only suspend accelerated nuclear enrichment after America lifts crippling sanctions on oil exports and banking imposed by the Trump administration. America says Iran should comply first. Iran is also frustrating international nuclear inspectors. Their access to the country's facilities should be unfettered under the deal, but Iran has refused to hand over images from surveillance cameras for over three months and is threatening to destroy the footage if sanctions remain. Negotiations are also dogged by the upcoming presidential election in Iran, scheduled for June 18th. Hassan Rouhani is in the last weeks of his presidency, Hardliners who oppose him are trying to whip up anti-American sentiment. All the deal's signatories profess to want to resurrect the nuclear deal. For now, a breakthrough eludes them. (laughs) Crypto City, British Regulators and Digital Currency British regulators are sharpening their focus on the burgeoning class of crypto assets and the use of the distributed ledger technology that lies behind them. A report released today by the City UK, a trade body, calls on policymakers to act quickly to take advantage of new opportunities. The authors highlight the success of the, quote, regulatory sandbox offered by the Financial Conduct Authority to fintech firms, which allows them to test new products for small groups of customers under a streamlined set of regulations. Such an approach could fuel innovation in DLT-driven services too. Cryptocurrencies in particular ought to be a natural fit for the city, which already handles 43% of the world's currency trades. Like the foreign exchange market, a distributed ledger is most valuable when it serves multiple countries for facilitating easier payments, for instance. As ever, the square mile's success depends on regulation, which allows it to stay open to the world. Technological Determinism Olivia Rodrigo TikTok is changing how some musicians write. The natural length of a video on the platform is 15 seconds, though several can be strung together, and its algorithms mean viewers hear short snippets of the same song played across several fan-made videos where users lip-sync, dance, reenact, or just react. No songwriter has adapted more thoroughly than Olivia Rodrigo, The Filipina-American's emotional vignettes mostly detail dashed dreams, perfectly suiting the platform's performative nature. She skips bars with no lyrics, getting quickly to the point, and even adds the odd musical cue specifically to help TikTokers time their videos. Going viral entails huge success. Ms. Rodrigo's breakup ballad, Driver's License, a TikTok favorite, debuted at number one on the Billboard Global 200 and broke Spotify's record for weekly streams. Her debut album, Sour, released last week, is perfect for TikTokers hungry for emotion but short on time. It fits comfortably in 140 separate 15 second shots. Finally, here's the quote of the day from George Floyd, who died on this day in 2020. I can't breathe. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast.